funding for Reading Rainbow is made possible by a grant from Kellogg's, who urges you to explore the joys of reading. Funding for the series was also provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the National Science Foundation, and the financial support of viewers like you. This is PBS. An introduction before we blow your mind. We step up in your function and put in overtime. I'm not a workaholic, but I'm always on my grind every day. Cause that's the only way I'm gonna shine. Anyway, I had to put this beat over this rhyme just to remind my people of a much simpler time when we play video games and ball sports with overall short, short fades on ball courts. For me, it was the 90s. For you, it may be different in your mind frame, but the time frame ain't specific. We was always just kidding back when we was just kids. We never had to question our lives. We just lived. Just cause Why were we happy? We just was Maybe the reason is cause All we needed was just love And uh, some of us got that What do you call that? Well back then We would call it all that Butterfly in the sky. Come on! I can go twice as high. Let's get it on. Take a look. Nigga. In a book. My nigga. Reading rainbow. You think it's a game? I can go anywhere. Suck my dick. Friends to know. My nigga. Ways to grow. Nigga. Reading rainbow. Here we go again. I can be anything. Same old shit. What? Nigga. In a book, my nigga, this is the shit I be talking about. You think it's a game? You think it's so cool? Game. What y'all really want? What y'all really want? All right, and we are back after yes, a piss break, a, a break to get another drink. Yes, got me a best damn cherry cola. Got me a uh, little Jameson. <laughs> rocks and uh, uh and oh well well I guess before we move on I should say that I looked up a couple things uh you know cause uh okay we were talking about Shalom Sesame yeah and we were kind of confused about what that was okay so uh first of all it actually was not the Israeli Sesame Street that would be uh Rekov Sumsum if I'm pronouncing that right um, but Shalom Sesame was like it kind of bridged the gap between like American Sesame Street and that show. And, okay. Yeah, and it did in fact it did teach Judaism. So there was some religious overtones in there that I kind of I wasn't quite sure. I thought I remember being in there, but yeah, it definitely was in there. So it taught you about Israeli culture and they taught you about Judaism. And uh, I guess you know we were talking about this. Why is it on Sunday? And I'm thinking, you know what? Remember when during the Pee Wee episode we were talking about the uh, Natasha Leone going back and watching herself as, yeah. a, as one of the Playhouse kids, mm-hmm. and she said she's going to Jew Hell because she was uh, on the Saturday morning show. Yeah, and I think that's probably what it was. Maybe they didn't do it on Saturday because aren't you not supposed to like? Let me if you're devout. Uh, if you're devout in the faith, aren't you not supposed to use electronics or no stuff like yeah. that? I think that's why it was on Sundays. Then. Yeah, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to like turn on light switches and stuff. Oh wow! But uh, yeah, so that was um, Shalom Sesame, and then also we were talking about the uh, 
we're talking about 95.5 and that's mm-hmm. uh yeah it's actually it's not it's not magic it's not the beat it's um it's old school 95.5 today oh, okay but back then it was the imagination station slash fun radio and even today old school 95 they still use wfun which i think <laughs> is weird but kind of cool at yeah. the same time yeah but you know whatever but um anyway uh, let's get back I'm sorry about this episode folks you've been going for a while and we're all over the place and we're not even done but, man we got yeah. more shit this is gonna be a long episode oh god I don't wanna edit this <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway let's get let's get back to it back with the break um so if we refer back to our our uh, PBS Mount Rushmore, Alaska. Wait, no, is it Alaska? Uh, let's see. Big Bird, Mister Rogers, Mister Rogers. Oh, two more. So this is the third. That be one more to this. Third would of course be Lafar Burton. Yes, because of Reading Rainbow, and you know. If you don't know what Reading Rainbow is, which, I mean, even the millennials, I think, should know because they had that whole resurgence on Kickstarter and started the, the uh, app where they, they were sort of redoing it. It's back on Netflix, too. Like, I mean, I think they're still showing a lot of the old episodes um, mixed in, mm-hmm. but they have a newer opening. Oh, they do? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I haven't checked them out on Netflix in a while. I've seen a couple. It's kind of cool. At the same time, when I was talking about um, when I saw it up there, and then they had Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood up there, so I just, for shits, kind of went up there and uh, looked, and that's when the kids were like singing the song, or they saw the trolley, like, hey, trolley, because they remembered it from their cousin watching Daniel Tiger. And then <laughs> right. they were trying to sing the song, and they pretty much had it right, except for the changes they made you know, for, for uh, today. So they're watching, and some of the words would be slightly wrong and it kind of trip them up <laughs> right that's right um but uh yeah reading rainbow it was a show to teach literacy for kids and i know i talked about it a little bit on our sesame street episode episode five mm-hmm. where i i think that reading rainbow in the 80s and 90s was one of the most important tv shows on tv i mean i think it's even more important than sesame street is was it is and it kind of ties in like we were talking about with three to one contact to where it's sort of like it's like sesame street but for older kids you know whereas with three to one you got the sciences when you get into literature yeah yeah and i mean i was a big reader when i was a kid anyway yeah me too i you know i was an early reader and it was just something that my parents instilled in me that you know, reading is one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't read, you don't have anything. So, you know, I was a big reader. So, reading Rainbow was, you know, it it was my must see TV. You know, and then I would go to the library and I would check out those books, not just the ones that that were featured and were read to you on the show but you know at the end of every episode they had like a recommendation section where 
kids would come on and just like describe their favorite book and why why you should get it. You know, list the author and sometimes the illustrator and stuff. So I would go out and seek those books too. Yeah, you know why you did? Why? Because you didn't take their word for it. Da -da -da. I was gonna make a joke. Now I can't make the joke. Got there first. Oh, Damn it! But yo, I was gonna ask you if you did that. I pretty much think everybody who watched Reading Rainbow probably did that. Like, if you saw a book in your school library or your public library that was on there, well, I, I think a lot of. It. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would say you would do that, or you'd be like, "Hey, I saw it on Reading Rainbow," you know, and you would check it out or at least thumb through it yeah and i think you know as the show got popular kind of like um what ha happened with the oprah's reading list after yep. a while the the book started having like a a gold seal on the front said you know as featured on reading rainbow or the sure reading is. rainbow seal of approval sure did you know and you know i know every, it doesn't matter where you're from midwest East Coast, West Coast. I think everyone had the Scholastic uh, book book paper to uh, you know to, oh, yeah. to buy books. There's always the Reading Rainbow section on there Reading where section. it would just have all the books you know that that were on the show, and you could get them there. Yeah, that's really awesome. It kind of makes me wonder how that show even went off the air in the first place. Was it just because Burton wanted to do other things? No, I believe it was funding. Because, I mean, you listen to LeVar Burton talk. I mean, that, that show is near and dear to his heart. And there's so much stuff that he wanted to do, but just couldn't get the funding uh, to yeah. do it. Because, I mean, he is super passionate about that show. He did an episode of The Nerdist, maybe. Oh, man, um, like five years ago. Yeah, like five or six years ago. And that was it, a good it was episode. A, it was a great episode. But, you know, he's just so... It, it, it was right around when, when that Kickstarter started to bring Reading Rainbow back. Mm-hmm. And he was just... He, you know, he's super passionate about uh, the show and wanted to keep it on the air, but they just couldn't fund it anymore. They, they ran out of money. Man, well, but, what happened to all those... What happened to Dayton, Dayton Hudson Department Store Company and all those... <laughs> in the Searbush <laughs> Robot Foundation. Remember they used to have that long list of sponsors at the beginning and some kid would read it off? Of every every PBS show. <laughs> every had episode. Brought to you by, or with special funding from Monsanto and and the JNR Reading Foundation. And a special grant from Kellogg's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find that, uh, slap that in, in here somewhere. Yeah, man. Well, I guess all these companies just tighten the fuck up, man. I mean, they're making money hand over fist, and they can't kick a, kick a few cents down to Reading Rainbow. Fuck you guys. Yeah. But, um, you know, Reading Rainbow was more than just, you know, somebody reading a story. It really was, it, it was kind of like a field trip, where you know, he would go somewhere that is sort of related to the book that was featured. Like, um, God. The only book I can think of is some fucking ox cart, man. I don't know why. But he, like, went to a farm or to a farmer's market or something. You know, and... Oh, I could think of a few, man. And... But go ahead. And then there, there was the uh, Star Trek episode when, when he visited the set of uh, Next Generation. And then the book was... It was one of those... It, it was by the guy that wrote the 
Arthur Aardvark books, but it it featured the bunny. Oh, um, okay. Because I remember the episode. I don't remember what book tied in with it. Yeah, it it was about the the bunny that went to see his his favorite TV show being made, and then found out that the the guy that played the superhero was actually a wimp, but he you know he wore this big muscle suit. To, oh yeah. Uh, I, I what was the name of that a, book? Like the Bionic the Bunny or something, or something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, but that was the Star Trek one, and then the only there there was one that creeped me out. I don't know why he was he was out somewhere, and then he went to he, he was at a mall, and he was at a toy store. He, he was at God, I want to say it was Children's Pat. It, it was Children's Palace the one with the panda or the one with the the toy soldier? Uh, I think the soldier was Children's. No, wait, soldier was KB, right? No, it wasn't KB. You sure. Okay, maybe it was Children's Palace then. I don't know. Or maybe there's another. Anyway, there there's there's a toy store back, back in the eighties, and their their mascot on all of their bags and stuff was like this soldier, this you know like. Kind of like the British soldier that stands out front of Buckingham Palace that's not supposed to smile. Right. Look like that. And there's this one episode when he's in this toy store and he's standing out front and he's talking. And there's this giant, you know, plush, or looks like plush uh, soldier standing there that, you know, is the mascot. And he's talking. And then all of a sudden the mascot just comes to life and it's just like creeping up behind him. That episode freaked me the fuck out the first time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then of course tying it back to uh, what we were just talking about there was one episode when I think it was an episode about dance or about music yeah it was an episode about music and of course uh, LeVar says you know uh, you want to talk about music that you can't just play with your instruments but music you can play with your body so here's my friend Ben Vereen so Ben Vereen comes out and does this whole dance number about, you know, making music with your, you know, beating on your chest to make music and, you know, you know, singing and he's stomping your feet, clapping your hands, all that stuff. But he's doing it in a park and he's like, he's on the swing sets and on the merry-go-round dancing around. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't remember that one. I, I feel like I should, but I don't. I bet there's got to be a clip somewhere I'll find it. There's got to be, man. But, uh, yeah, the, some of the other episodes I remember, and I don't remember the book that tied in, but uh, the one where he just went around New York. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite episodes. And I think that one, can you can kind of tell uh, how old some of them are um, just by his whether haircut. or not he had a... Yeah, his, his haircut and whether or not he had a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Or in some of the latter episodes, um, in the in the mid nineties, where he had a uh, he had a full beard. But uh, yeah, like I remember this one of the mustache episodes. He was in New York, and <laughs> he walked around and just you know was showing you uh like the diners and just uh the different sites, and then talking about kind of the history of the city, and then uh, immigrants coming through and you know seeing America for the first time coming through New York and. It was just really cool, and they were showing uh, did like a little, a little rap version, like a like an '80s electro rap version of the Reading Rainbow theme, to 
just the sights of like street art and people breakdancing and stuff. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I think they went ahead and ended the show on that theme too. It was really cool. And um, I remember back on that back when we uh, guested on Bodega Box Office and where I was talking about the Fat Boys showing up on Reading Rainbow, and I'm not saying they they probably did, they might have, but it wasn't Fat Boys that I was thinking of. It was Run DMC, and they'd shown up and um, were like rapping about books or something. And they got on like they went on the uh, the set of them making a video. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I remember that. It wasn't the same episode, but that's the one I remember. That's what the, it was them. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There was one. Oh, I found it. I found <laughs> Ben Green dancing around. I'll send it to you later. <laughs> All right, yeah, do that. Um, there was a book called Space Case, not to be confused with the um, with with the uh, Walter Jones vehicle on Nickelodeon. Um, this was a book about like some kid who finds a robot and then he takes it to school as a science project. Do you remember that book? Mm-mm. Oh, <clears throat> I know it wasn't the same writer, but it looked like the same illustrations as uh, the person who did like the Miss Nelson books. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those. But then like the tie-in episode was like uh, it's just all about space and like you know talking about whether there, whether or not there's life on other planets. And they were showing um, clips from Star Wars and like the cantina scene from Star Wars. They, they, the whole thing ended up in the episode. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, and then a couple of my favorites. There was one called the book was called the Life Cycle of a Honeybee, but it tied in with um, him going to like where uh, like meeting with uh, beekeepers and kind of showing them how they, you know, how they keep bees and just you know the different. Uh, the, the protective gear they have to wear and like the smoke that they use and like how they extract honey and how they uh package and jar honey and, and, and ship it out and stuff like that and I, that, that was one of my favorite episodes just cause I don't know the, the music that was in it it just fits so well and just the um the process that they were showing of like the bees and the making of honey it was so cool um and another one do you remember this the book was called Three Hat Day and yes yeah and so i don't remember the book was about but he was in a hat shop and every time he put a hat on it transported him somewhere else except the problem was the hats weren't what he thought they were like he put on the he put on the uh look like a ball cap he's like oh take me out to the ball game puts the hat on he teleports but it's really a jockey's hat oh yeah there so he ends up like in a in a fucking uh not the Kentucky Derby, but some type of horse race, and he's on it. And they teach him like how to ride and uh, what he's supposed to do. So it takes off, and then he gets scared and takes the hat off and appears back in the shop. <laughs> and so then there was one uh, where he put on a uh, what was it? He put on a it was a hockey it was a goalie mask, and he put it on, and he ended up in a. All of a sudden, he shows up at the uh, he's in a New York New York Islanders. He's like full gear. He's out there on the ice, about to fall on his ass. He's like, oh, hold on, Lavar. Let me let me show you how to do this. They're showing him how to how to block <laughs> and how to skate, everything like that. And so they start the game, and they're coming right at him. And they're about to flick. They're about to shoot the puck at him. He goes, ah! He takes the hat off, and it gets up back in the shop. <laughs> he did that a third time. I can't remember what the third one was. And then he said, at the end of the episode, he's like, 
All right, well, I guess I should go. And he looks and he sees this knight's helmet. He's like, ah, uh, you know what? No. Let's just keep it. It's just day a three hat day. Just like the book. And he's about <laughs> to leave. He's like, ah, uh, what the heck? Let's make it a four hat day. So he puts it on. And then he's at like a renaissance festival where he's got the, uh, where he's got to, uh, got the lance and the rings. And he takes off on the horse. And that's the end of the episode. I vaguely remember it. I'm gonna have to see if I can find that one too. I'm gonna have to too. I'm gonna have to look on Netflix and see if that stuff's up there because, uh, but yeah, those are definitely some of my favorites. And there's some, there's, there's others out there that I know I'm leaving out, like, uh, uh, like when he visited the Library of Congress. Um, I had a lot of stuff. Just, uh, we, we could, we could do a whole entire other episode on this. Yeah. And this episode would be even longer than it's already about to be, so. <laughs> Unless you got anything else to add. Uh, no, I, I mean, other than, you know, like I said, I think this is one of the most important shows that, you know, came out because it really sort of, you know, put an interest in reading, uh, not just to me, but hopefully to other people. Yeah. And reading. And then, like you said, like a field trip. So showing you stuff that, you know, you might not, might not have seen otherwise. Might not ever see. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, and, and stuff that kind of sticks with you. Like I said, like the honeybees episode. I thought that was one of the coolest things ever. I'm never going yeah. to keep any bees, though. <laughs> but, you know, I just thought it was cool to see. And, yeah, yeah so totally definitely agree. up on that Mount Rushmore like you're talking about, man. Just his his head and just that show. I mean, it's, it really is a crime that that show didn't get funded and ended up getting dropped. And, uh you know, I'm glad it's back now, but I mean, there's no reason why there shouldn't be a show like that on right now, on regular TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, well, I'm not going to go into the whole HBO thing again. But uh, yeah, let's. It, that, well, it, we saw what happened to Sesame Street. Let's not. <laughs> yeah, let's I, not do it, it. it would be great if, if another station would pick up the torch, though. You know, I I know that the Kickstarter's going. And they've got that app, which I'm not a hundred percent sure if. They making if they're making new episodes, they're only available on the app, or how that whole thing works. But I mean, it is still up and going. He is still making new content. Yeah, God bless him for it. Um, yeah, yeah. Because again, I think that's one of the most important things that uh, people can do, uh, or pe- people, kids, you know, uh, can learn and should learn. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's jump to another well, show. Well, oh, okay, yeah, oh. go ahead. No, go nah, ahead. Nah. nah, go ahead. I'll save it for, you know, when we wrap up kind of like this section of the uh, episode or this section of the other content, I'll uh, I'll circle back around to it. Okay. All right, well, um, you know, we talked about songs a little bit ago. Um, there's one other show that had a song that... Uh, <laughs> Would drive you fucking nuts, and that, of course, is uh, Lamb Chop. <laughs> Which, uh, if you if you don't know, let me give you a brief little rundown. Um, a actress by the name of Sherry Lewis mm-hmm. created this. Uh, real shitty kind of uh, sock puppet. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, like if you go back and look at old footage, it's just a straight sock. Yeah, with, with just like you know white puffs put on it to make it look like sheep. But uh, her name is Sherry Lewis. She uh, was a. I'm just pulling up the uh, the old internet Bible here. Uh, born in 1933, she was a ventriloquist, puppeteer, and children's entertainer, then TV host. She um, had a blows, blows my mind that she was born in 1933. I said back in the Nickelodeon episode, I was looking for footage from that show that she had that was showing on Nickelodeon. And <clears throat> I, man, someone has to have footage of it somewhere, but it is buried because I can't find nothing. YouTube, nowhere on the internet can I find it. And that was in the 80s. And the show was probably from the 70s. But I was going on YouTube trying to find it. And I'm seeing this shit from like when it was, when, when it was in black and white. And she's like grown, uh, like a grown adult in the 50s showing up on like late on, 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 on talk shows like Ed Sullivan or whatever. I'm like, how old is this woman? <laughs> I just yeah. didn't know. Because <laughs> after a certain point, she just stopped aging. Yeah, yeah, and she was, you know, she was prolific through the 60s. Um, uh, well, the late 50s, early 60s, she showed up, you know, back in like the 50s and 60s. Um, cartoon shows were pretty much all just like Bugs Bunny type shorts, and they would have a host come out, like a live action host to come out and say, hey, here's a cartoon. Uh, the best thing you could probably see today that would sort of illustrate that would be Peavy's Playhouse where the the picture the king of cartoons come coming out and <laughs> in, introducing every cartoon for an which, half an hour which king first of all <laughs> oh Blackula okay so not that was the so, better so, king so the <laughs> so, so the one who was uh didn't know where the fuck he was at whenever he was just Doped up on the on, on the pills, yeah. <laughs> the Valium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Who's you know, read? picture that you know for a whole you know hour, half hour, where you know it'd be a live action set with real kids there, you know, a, a live audience, and then you know the clown or whoever would introduce a cartoon, and then they show the couple cartoons and come back to live action and introduce another one. That's what what they did in the fifties and sixties. So she got her start doing that. Then she got a kid show that replaced Howdy Doody, and it was just called the Sherry Lewis Show, which I think like Nickelodeon, Nick at Night was showing re- reruns of it for a while. Yeah, and that's what I was finding because they were showing the Sherry Lewis Show, but there was another one, more like a daytime, like morning morning uh, kids show like in the 70s or 80s you know called, just called the Sherry show and that's the one I can't find yeah yeah and then after the Sherry show then um in uh, let me get the exact date right I just dropped my phone here uh in yeah she she like guest started on all these shows like the man from uncle love American style uh, 1992 yep. she got a brand new song or a brand new show called uh, Lamb Chops Play Along and fuck the dumb shit you know I'm talking about like how I end up absorbing a lot of these shows because I had a 
little brother who was like, you know, three going on four at this time. But even if he wasn't around, I would have watched this because I love Sherry Lewis. I love like these Lamb Chop characters and stuff. Yeah. And she had three. She had Lamb Chop. She had uh, a horse. Yeah, puppet, Charlie Horse, who is and then, he's uh, old school. And then uh, Dog. Hush Puppy. Hush Puppy, yeah. Yeah, and, and she was this ventriloquist, though, towards the end of that that uh, Lamb Chop show. That, that ventriloquism wasn't working as well. <laughs> yeah, so they started filming her kind of off, uh, yeah, <laughs> off camera. Yeah, you see them lips move a little bit. But, I mean, it was basically, it was just the, I don't even know how to, how to the really, variety show. Yeah, it was like a preschool variety show. She had basically. games and she had like little Star Wars. She had these little challenge called Betcha. I forget. Uh, it would be like, you know, the the little jingle said, I know something you can't do. I betcha, betcha, betcha. And it'd be like something, I don't know, some of the stuff that's like physically impossible or like mentally impossible to do. And she would tell you like how or why you can't do it or, you know, shit like that. Oh, they had like yeah. riddles and jokes and stuff. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it's right here. Uh, each half hour is filled with jokes, games, songs, and tricks. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was uh, just like a kids' variety kind of show, and they sang songs. Yeah, and stuff like it was. That. It was really chill. It was just. It was very. You know, it was cool. I, I like. I like that show. I wish something yeah. like. I mean, of course, she's not with us anymore, but, uh, you know. Stuff like that is good for kids, man. I, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a proponent of it. Yeah, but that fucking theme song. <laughs> well, they... drive a nail in your head. <laughs> I mean, even when I was a, even, even, because I was the same way. Because I only really watched it because your little brother was watching it. But still, even then. I knew there was an issue with that song. <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <that's, laughs> just bad. Yeah, we're not gonna go into it. You know what it is, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, that's really it for Lamb Trap. Yeah, and and, and cruise here's through the, here since we've been recording. So yeah, but let me tell you something. So this time slot, I think I want to say Lamb Chop came on at like 10 or 10.30 and it replaced Shining Time Station. Like Shining Time Station was in that slot and then they replaced it with Lamb Chop in 92. Um, eventually they all started kind of airing at the same time. But for whatever PBS had going on, they were only showing these things once. You know, They only had like one room for one. So they took Lamb Chop off and they replaced it with fucking Barney. And uh, we're not going to go into it. You know what Barney is. You know, when, when you, way back uh, earlier in the episode when you were saying, the, uh, when, when you first mentioned a uh, song that'll make you drive a nail through your hair. I mean, they got a bunch of them. So I thought you were going there already. No, you know? I don't even want to touch on Barney. Well, the only reason I'm bringing it up is, well, one, okay, so I got two little brothers, you know, kind of year and a half, two years apart. The younger one loved him so fucking Barney, and he's gonna kill me for saying this, but he had the he had the pajamas, everything the little button up uh, <laughs> <laughs> pajamas that have like Barney's walking all over, and he had a stuffed Barney. Uh... <laughs> 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 but 
and and Barney was just sappy shit. Like if like if Lamb Chop was just something that was kind of cool and different and just space. Barney was the shit that like you I felt like was poisoning the kids. Yeah, because it had no real. I mean, I mean, it's all about imagination, and that's fine. But it's just, it was just so saccharine. Yeah, and is it vaguely religious, or am I, I just putting mm, putting you know, so, something on it that it? Yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't remember there being religion. Um, but uh, yeah. Maybe because it was a lot of churches showed it in in the daycares. Maybe that's where I'm getting it from. Could be because it, it was saccharine and but okay for kids. To yeah, but my God, it just brain rot. Like fuck Barney. But uh, the reason I want to touch on it is because one of my coworkers he was talking about when he was uh he was younger and he had a little sister and she would get on his nerves and so he'd torment her like he would steal her Barney doll and hide it. Because she loved Barney and get and so and he this one time he kept it it was go, like he hid this thing for hours and hours like all day she was pissed and like wait hey you know he took my Barney he took my Barney his father came home and he's like all right I'm gonna tell you this once but in he said in 15 minutes have that Barney doll back in her room and I don't want you to hear another word about it and so he did. But he brought it back and he had it. <laughs> he had it tied to the doorknob, like by its neck, with tape over his mouth and eyes. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, you're an asshole. What the? Oh, <laughs> and he said, his neck came in. He was like, why? <laughs> why? Never, you know what? Never mind. I don't even want to know why. Just, just, just go. Just get out of here. <laughs> oh my god! I was just what I thought. I'm like you're terrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> like what did she possibly do to you to get <laughs> to get that? Oh my god! Oh, but you know what? Jesus. I that's. I think all of us want to do that to Barney. Yeah, I mean, even back then. Yeah, so not much else I have to say about that. Yeah, yeah, nothing else really to say. Um, trying to think. Oh, you know, I, I forgot to mention it earlier. There was another show on PBS that came on in. I want to say it was Sunday. You see, either Saturday, like late Saturday afternoons, like around five or six, or maybe it was on Sunday. It might have been no. It, it it was on Sunday mornings. There was another Reading Rainbow s show uh, that was hosted by by James L. Jones. Oh, I don't um, remember that. It was called Once Once Upon a Time or something. Oh, like Once Upon a Story or something. Or Once Upon a Story. Yeah, that Where, sounds familiar, but I didn't know that was PBS. That was PBS. Was, yeah, give me a second. But it was um, holy shit. It was. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Or 
once upon something. I'll find it. Anyway, um, it was James Earl Jones, and he sat in this big ass like chair, and you know would introduce the story, and then it would he would have uh, another famous person like read the story. Um, huh. Long ago oh. and far away. I okay. Long, long ago and far away. Uh, oh, I was, got Once Upon a Story. It, it was uh, aired from 1989 to 1993. Each episode began with James O. Jones sitting in a chair in a room with a table, lamp, and window. The walls were blue with white dots in order to make it appear that it was uh, in space or the night sky. Um show is aimed to six to nine years old. It presented stories on traditional fairy tales. Hmm. Um, the presentation methods that were used included stop motion, live action, cell animation being used depending on the story. And then they, they would have guest narrators, you know, reading the stories. Huh. I don't think I ever saw any of this. Did you watch much? I know I watched some of it, but I don't. Because it's not ringing a. Get, I don't know if it's ringing a bell or not. I think it's my mind. Yeah, but that trying to fill it in and it's not. I don't know. But I, I just wanted to to mention that one as well. Oh, that okay. was very similar to Reading Rainbow. Gotcha. But um, you know, back on the kid front. Uh, speaking of of of. Uh, Sunday evenings, Saturday evenings. Um, one show that uh, also promoted reading <laughs> that that uh, was out there that was very '90s, which uh, uh, back in one of our cartoon intro episodes, I said uh, the new Archies was was, was it, if uh, the '80s did a bunch of coke. <laughs> And then, and then just started talking nonstop about the eighties. <laughs> uh, this show was very nineties. It 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 was nineties. You know, put on some Nirvana, put on their flannel flannel and their Carhartt jacket, and just started talking. <laughs> but it was. I need to work on that metaphor. I'll, I'll bring that metaphor back some other time. But um, it was <laughs> Ghost Rider. Ghost, Ghost Writer for everybody. Ghost, uh, yes, not correctly. Not uh, not the Marvel superhero, but Ghost Writer. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, this came out in like late '92, 
and it was on Sunday evening, like you said. And was it I Sunday or was it Saturday? Sunday. It was Sunday. Okay. Sunday nights, yeah. Um, because right after that would go off, um, that's when that's when we click over to Fox. And that's right. Yeah, that's right. So it was actually really cool because there's never anything on Sunday after Sunday evening for us, and then that was it. Um, but what was uh before it actually premiered though I remember seeing like the advertising for it and not on TV saying hey Ghost Rider is coming or anything like that um I remember my first day of uh 6th grade and in my science class the teacher passed us out fucking book covers you remember book covers oh yeah <laughs> yeah it was just a, a piece of paper that you would wrap around your your uh textbook yeah yeah and the tape it down i suppose i don't know if they actually protected anything or not i I think they just didn't want people to write on the on the covers or anything but um yeah and they had pictures of uh like the names of everybody on the cast and the pictures of their face and like a little quick bio like uh lenny writes fresh raps and You know, shit like that. And oh, we're going to get to that in a minute. I'll talk about one of her fresh raps. Uh, but, you know, and then they had a picture of the entire cast, whatever, and then the little logo for Ghost Rider. And it was coming to uh, Channel 9, which, of course, everybody, PBS, here locally. Mm-hmm. And then it premiered, like, maybe a month later. Yeah. And the premise of that of that show, it was... Um, it was actually a, a pretty diverse cast. The oh, main very much. Main character was uh, black, but all of his his best friend and his best friend and his friend's little sister were Latino. Yeah, and, and their then parents I, ran a bodega. Yeah, and then there was a shout out to bodega box office. <laughs> there was a, a Italian girl too, I think maybe. But it, um, the I, I want to say the uh, boy had just moved to town or done something. Yeah, they it, were or, from Detroit and they ended up moving to New York. Yeah, and, and they moved into the, this apartment, and I guess he opened a closet in his room, and this little ball of light came flying out, out of his closet, <laughs> and it started. It it could like create words on paper. Like just out of thin air. Am I re- could, remembering that right? Yeah, it could create words. That's the only thing it could do. In the only way, it kept saying like "write to me." Oh yeah, like, you had to write words. Like and then it, it had could, to sh- like, had to show up. It. Right, it had to uh, it had to reveal itself to you, and then once you could see it, then you had to write to it. Yeah, and then. It could scramble the words and make a response out of like words that are around. Yeah, and whenever it responded like in thin air, it was very graffiti looking. But yeah. apparently, it it was the ghost of a writer who had like died, and that was his old apartment, or yeah. died in the apartment, or something like that. Just pretty fucking dark, but yeah, yeah. But you know, he he befriended these kids and. And I don't remember what the end game was. I don't either, but then they started using him to fight crime because apparently there's no police here. 
Yeah, weren't weren't they trying to solve his murder and find out how he died or something? <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden, it, it turned into like the Bloodhound Gang, basically. Because <laughs> they were because. I remember because so, someone broke into the bodega or something, and and Ghost yeah. Rider helped them figure out who did it. Yeah, and then like there was a store that burnt down, and uh, really the it was a store owner who was actually uh he was really the the father from Alf. Uh, oh yeah, he owned the store, and he was really just trying to collect insurance money, so he burnt it himself. But he altered his video footage to uh, look like uh, Jamal, the kid who looked like he done it. Because of course he want to set the black kid up. Because you know, and, uh, and of course, and again, there's no police. There's no police detectives who could have figured that out. It took you know six kids to do it. Yeah. And then and there was that. Uh, yeah, like the first. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you about to say? Because this kind of, I'm kind of. Well, well, what I was about to say was kind of getting ahead. I mean, I, I didn't do enough research on the thing once brought it up I I don't I know at some point Jamal left and then it was just the two bodega kids right maybe I see here's the thing I remember I remember there were being like the first season I remember there being like three cases well you know maybe there's more than that okay there was the one with the uh i guess the original one the the first one that started with the uh the kids who were like they had their own gang called the double defenders they were double there were two-headed masks and they were playing they were clearly playing the x-men um konami game in the arcade but they altered it to look like some game called the double defenders and they got into it so much that they were calling each other by the names. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out who they were and like, cause they were going around stealing stuff and causing trouble all around. And again, no police. So, uh, no one's here to bust these kids. So, so, so these guys have to do it. Uh, so there was that one. There was the one and, and every case was like, I think more like five episodes long. So maybe four or five episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh, you know what? I, I finally found it on Wikipedia. They put out uh, the first. Shout Factory put out a five disc set in 2010. Oh, no shit. Five oh. discs? Damn, there are more episodes than I remember then. Yeah, but, um. Yeah, every. Each mystery was presented as a case covering four or five 30 minute episodes yeah so yeah it, okay. it would be like a month long case that they try to solve mm-hmm. yeah so there was that one there was this one where some money was coming up missing at the bodega and it turned out it was the it was the daughter you know who was you know part of the crew um who was stealing money because she wanted to buy some Halloween costume that she couldn't afford Oh yeah. Uh, there was that one. There was the one, the comic book contest, where you had like come up with your own, or no, you had to, like there was panels missing from this uh this comic, and like you had to go on the scavenger hunt to find it. But there was some guy who was going around sabotaging the contest, uh, mm-hmm. and putting fake panels up to throw people off, trying to ruin the contest, and it was all because 
uh, he submitted some ideas and got rejected, but then the person who submitted this comic that was, this contest was revolving around, uh, that got picked up in lieu of his, and so he was trying, <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is because the comic book, the hero was called Hoodman, and he just had a, he had a magical hoodie, and he put it on and gave him, and he pulled the hood up over his head and gave him powers, and, um, so it was a hoodman contest, but then at the end, uh, the white girl Lenny, she, she, because she writes fresh raps, she has this little Casio keyboard and starts. And she, and she writes a song about it. <laughs> and, and when we say '90s, uh, how '90s this show was, the rap in it, we're talking about not the good kind. We're talking about the kind that was like that you would have found in cereal commercials. And jingles for like toy jingles and stuff, because she's uh, rapping just like that, like you know, the, like the Zelda rap. Oh, uh, but Damn, we, yeah, Zelda. yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, kind of, you know, that that that, uh, yeah, definitely in that vein. And I don't remember what it was. <laughs> it's like you know, if you want to go somewhere, you gotta be somebody. You know, go to take it to the extreme. You know that that type of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> she had this song, but I don't remember how the rap went, of course. And now for my song. What is it? I caught the Hoodman rap. I figure if we're going to be featured in a comic book, we might as well go in singing. And here it is. Hoodman! Just a fellow from a comic book, but that's not all. You better take a second look. More than meets the eye, roll my a real hero, challenge him if you dare. He's here to do good. Trouble kids are feed him. Bad guys will treat. <laughs> when they see him, if you do the right thing whenever you can. You cool, come on, hang with the hood man. Oh, oh, hang with the hood man. Here we go, yo, hang with the hood man. Come on, come on, hang with the hood man. Hood man! That was great! And then they thought it was so good, they did an encore. She sang the whole song over again. Out of sight. <laughs> Let's all try it. Like God damn it! And there was another. There was an episode where she got signed. <laughs> she got she got signed to a record label. And again, see this happens a lot. She got signed to a record label, and then some some guy called her up trying to poach her from that label. And it was all because uh, the person who ran this label um, got a deal, and then uh, and he got rejected. Like he he put out a single, and then. It, it 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 didn't go anywhere. With this other one blew up, and then having a successful record label, so he was trying to smash. He was trying to poach all her clients and screw them over. And she wrote a song called "You Gotta Believe," <laughs> and <laughs> and I don't mean the uh, Parappa the Rapper song, although it's probably just as bad, um, and not and not nearly as cute. And I just remember at the beginning, oh yeah, oh yeah, you gotta believe. 
Okay, I just found this. Oh shit. Um, I'm reading this Wikipedia page. Um, Ghost Rider ran from 90. Shit, my phone just closed. Ran from 92 to 95. Came, became one of the most popular shows on PBS. They had to stop and cancel the show due to lack of funding. Again. Yeah, it's a well, problem with PBS. Yeah, you know, going, I, I mean, but... not not a, a. I mean, it's it's public television. They don't have budgets like regular you know, stations do. This is true. But then in 1995, no, 1997, CBS tried to create a new version uh, called the New Ghostbuster, New Ghost Rider Mysteries. Only lasted one season due to low ratings. The new show had little in common with the original, changing Ghost Rider's on-screen appearance and introducing uh, new characters and getting rid of the serial format of the original series. So every episode was like one and done. Ah, uh, that sucks. Um, but check this shit out. I just found this, and I was wrong about who Ghost Rider was. And I guess they never revealed it because it says here that the Ghost Rider producer and writer Kermit Frazier revealed in a 2010 interview that Ghost Rider was a ghost of a runaway slave during the Civil War. Oh my God! He taught, he taught other Whoa. slaves. Whoa! He taught other slaves how to read and write, and was killed by slave catchers and their dogs. <gasps> His soul was kept in the book that Jamal first discovered in the pilot episode, and when Jamal opened the book, he was freed. Holy shit. Yeah. Django! Django, have you always been alone? Django! Django, have you Wow, that's heavy. They, and they must not have revealed that in in the show. If he's just now putting that out in in an interview in 2010, I am. Yeah, I don't remember that being in there. Yeah, that's some heavy shit. That's some that's some that's some. Django Unchained shit right there. Holy shit. And we just took a turn for the worst. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a premise. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> my I bet that didn't... God. That just derailed my. <laughs> I, I, I bet that didn't come up with whenever they pitched you the show. You can find PBS us at www.nojibajabfm.com, <laughs> <laughs> Facebook.com. <laughs> Bob slash no Jim and Jab FM. Good night, folks. Yep. Well. Yeah, I, I guarantee that it didn't come up when they pitched the show. Okay, get I... this. Okay, it, it, it's the '90s, so so there wouldn't have been any coke. But you walk into a a, a, a producer, a, your production studio, and say, "Okay, I got a show. It's about a runaway slave who gets killed by dogs." His soul gets trapped in a book. Fast forward to the 90s, and uh, African-American kid opens the book and frees the slave, and now they fight crime. Wow. Hey, you know what? You know what it was? <laughs> it wasn't the coke. 
Do you remember back in the back around this time? It was, ah, 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 ah. Do you remember when they were that they had those those uh, tattoos? You know the uh, those uh, tattoos that you put on water. You, you know the temporary tattoos. Yeah. But do you remember back in the nineties had this thing called blue stars or window pane, whatever it was the same thing, but it's like LSD. That's how they were like. Putting, oh, um, yeah. That's how they were getting acid to kids and shit like yeah. that. This guy was just like tacking them on and like taking showers with this shit and like tattooing himself, you know, <laughs> dropping tabs and shit. <laughs> it said, "Oh, have oh, I got a? Have I got a? Have I got a pitch for you?" Damn, damn. Let's move on. Yeah, well, just brought everything down. <laughs> <laughs> wow but real quick man um yeah you say it got canceled for lack of funding and i'm certain i'm certain you know that's probably certainly true but the show really got shitty like i think by the time like the second or third season happened and it was only two cases that's because you know they when they pulled it um the first one was like he started traveling through time and started like they were they were trying to like, solve a they were trying to solve a crime from like back in like the 1930s or something and, or the, maybe even the 1800s I don't know it was some kid who was going to end up going to going to the, the home for wayward boys for something and he was they were trying to clear his name but they were doing it from like the 90s and he was in the you know back in the 1800s or whatever and they were trying to, they were, they were writing back and forth to each other through time. It was so stupid and it was so weird. And then the second one wasn't even an actual case. It was a, it was a book that they were doing. They were kind of inserting them, themselves into the, into the story themselves and kind of like making up the story as they went along. I don't remember. So it was, and they, and they were, yeah, it was bad. And, um, I guess the girl who played, uh, uh, Gabby, the uh, the younger, because the 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 Latino kids, they were uh, Alex and and Gabby, and yeah, Gab, they replay, they they recast Gabby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. And and it was and I don't know, it was just it was just very jarring because she had well the first the first Gabby didn't really have much of an accent. This one had a really thick accent, and it was very hard to understand. And it it is just very hard to understand. And then uh. They brought in some other guy who's was like a friend of theirs working at the bodega and he was supposed to like not be able to read or something so he would like always write stuff wrong and then ghostwriter wouldn't know what he's saying because he spells stuff wrong and he writes weird and uh yeah it was just, it was just weird man it just got it just, it just got shitty so i checked out at that point but uh another thing i always thought was it was kind of cool um, especially like if you were younger and watching it now I was already you know, I was already 11 years old by the time I was out but like if you were younger and watching this like between each episode they always uh, they, they always uh, brought the facts of the case that you knew at that point back up they kind of recapped for you oh, and they yeah. told you to write it down in your in your, in your case book because they kept the notebooks called it, they called them case books and they wanted you to do it at home and follow along I did too for that first. I did a couple I times. Yeah, <laughs> we all had case books. I had one, yeah. at least for a minute, and then until I got, I think I started missing episodes, and so then I just stopped doing it. Yeah, I, oh no, I know it's not at home anymore. But, yeah, I, remember, <laughs> I remember the case book. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, this show, 
ended up after a while getting paired with another show which we have actually touched on before in another episode um, it be it primarily was a a Sunday a Sunday night show but then I guess during the week they started re-airing Ghost Rider yeah in the afternoons and they always paired it right up against it came on right after one of our favorite game shows which of course is Where in the World is Carmen San Diego well she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina she's a sticky fingered filcher from Berlin down to Belize she'll take you for a ride on a slow boat to China tell me where in the world Carmen San Diego. Steal their soul in South Korea. Hell yeah, and if you remember way back in episode 8, if you haven't heard that one, go back and check it out. Uh, where we talked about game shows, uh, we, 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 we brought up this one. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you can go back to that episode and listen to it. But basically, it's uh, point and click the edutainment game from the, from the early 90s. PEC where it would teach you history or science. Uh, there was a space version of it. Yep. Uh, but it, you know, taught you geography or whatever. And that's what the game show did. The game show took the uh, where in the world to te- teach you geography and like names of capitals and. Uh, a little bit of language in there, a little bit of uh, like landmark recognition and stuff like that. Yeah, landmarks and um, art. A little bit of history, but not much. Not yeah, you know, not not a lot. Um, but yeah, it, they, it turned it into a game show, which I don't think they did. The kids actually win stuff. Yes, um, if you won, you get a trip to anywhere. Well, it started off. You get a trip to anywhere in the lower 48 states. That's right. And then they expanded it out to anywhere in the 50 states. And then it became anywhere in North America. America. And so everybody, I remember once they, once they, uh, once they, uh, expanded it to anywhere in North America, everybody always picked Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I was a, a good, I always wanted to be on that show. Me too. And I, I know I said this back then. Um, that show really taught me, like, just, I really knew countries and board, like, like you wouldn't believe just from watching that show. Um, like, you know, fifth and sixth grade or whatever, whatever it came out. I think it was the fifth grade. Uh, but like, I always said, if they, if I got on that show, if I could get South America, well, cause you know, the USA one, you know, I always felt like I had problems with like some of the Northeast ones, the tiny, the tiny states up there. Mm-hmm. But I would say if I can get South America or Africa, I will destroy this. I will beat everybody's ass on this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cause if I, I knew all the countries, you know, and we also, what was also cool about that is, uh, my sister around that same year, she'd also gotten a, a, a giant like floor puzzle. It was mm-hmm. a world map. And so we were used to seeing a lot of that stuff from off of there too. So that paired with the show, I knew where all these countries were. 
and especially the South America because I was like oh it's so easy I can actually point out exactly where these are so I was like if I get that one like if I get on the show and I get that one I'm winning <laughs> yeah I mean it was just a, a cool show it was and if you like the game because I played the games uh, you know the computer lab at school whenever we got computer time so yeah. I like the where in the world I like the game and then they just took that concept and kind of you know, made it into a into a game into a uh, a game show on TV. I thought it was yeah. a really cool idea. And then, like towards the end, they changed they they canceled Where in the World and they retooled it into was it Where in Space or Where Where in Time Where in Time in, and it's conversation yeah. and that turned into more of history questions. Yeah. And then even though this isn't PBS, um, I do remember coming around that saying, oh, San- Carmen San Diego had a really good run for a while because, uh, then they had that cartoon on, on Fox, Where on Earth. Yeah. It's Carmen right. San Diego, so they had a whole cartoon. So, and they kept making more games, like different, different types of games. Yeah, because I had one of them on, on my parents' first computer we had. Yeah. Oh, I remember that one. I forget which one it was, but it sucked because with, with the game, when you buy the game in the box, you know it comes. The I want to say I had wearing. It wasn't wearing the world. I want to say it was maybe wearing time. Uh huh. But it's supposed to come with like a a guidebook that you use to you know like a encyclopedia or something like a little almanac or something yeah that that uh, would sort of guide you in the right direction and you know where you could read the hint on the computer and then go to that almanac and you know help find your answer i didn't have it because we bought the computer from somebody who, who was just you know building computers and and uh just put all the, these programs on there yeah, I didn't have the book because back then <laughs> there was, was no DRM, and you could put the same game on on fifty different computers, and it didn't matter. Yep, you know. So, so I had these old ass fucking world book encyclopedias that I'd be trying to find. Ah, <gasps> oh, I remember those. I remember those world books. Yeah, once upon a time, kids, there were encyclopedias that you had. Oh man, movie. remember the commercials where you had like, you know, you have to order the encyclopedias and like, they'd be so goddamn expensive. So then you'd see like, every once in a while you go to somebody's house and they might have a few volumes of it, but yeah. not the whole set. Yeah. And but, people actually sold encyclopedias door to door and shit. Yeah, well, that, I, I played that commercial on the MTV episode of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Ah, oh, Britannica. Yeah. yeah they, they, you know, they commercials in the 90s. Man. F the Britannica. World Book was the one you wanted. At least I did, because it had pictures. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I'm guessing the answers. I, if I ever caught one of the criminals, I was, it was fucking luck. <laughs> or it, it, was, it was because they, they went to a place that I, that I already played before and I remembered the answer. Right. Because that's the only way you're going to win <laughs> that game. But, um, anyway, that's, that's um, kind of it for the kids' shows, isn't it? Pretty much. Um, although I do want to say, man, I'm um, I was looking up. I was trying to find uh, 
you know, Ghostwriter, and I came across the chick who played Lainey. Damn, she, she's, she's kind of cute today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't actually look at any of the actors' pictures. I was trying to go through all of them. I seen uh, Jamal Jenkins right here. He looked. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, her name is Blaze Birdall. I don't know how you say that. Yeah. Okay. The name sounds familiar. Just don't rap. But uh, okay. So we so uh, there's a couple more shows that I kind of wanted to throw at you, okay. just to see if you remembered. Um, okay, number one. Do you remember this one? It's called Mr. Potter's Traveling Adventure Show. No. It came on Sundays, and I want to say, I don't think it was science. I think it was just kind of general uh, knowledge and stuff like that. But what was it? It was this guy who would like, go around different schools, and it was definitely local, and I'll tell you why I know that. Um, he was to go around different schools. It was basically kind of like a, like, a guest, like a guest teacher for the day. Mm-hmm. And... Then he would take him on a field trip and then kind of relate that to the lesson. But it was it was a local show, and I remember this one time we had seen we, you know, my sister were watching it, and my mom's church like there's you know the uh, she went to she at one point she was a Baptist, um, and there was this one girl named Kim from that church who we knew. And then we're watching this show like one day somewhere in the middle of its run. And then all of a sudden he, he goes into school and who sits in the seat? This fucking Kim. Like, hey, that's Kim right there. And she actually did get to speak on camera at one point, too. We're like, oh, shit. And we're like, hey, we saw you on Mr. Potter. <laughs> but then uh, it's another show. And I, I didn't know it. Can, it I, it's got to be from the 70s and bled into the 80s. It was called Powerhouse. Do you know what that was? No, I don't remember that one either. I'm going to drop the theme song right here. Alright, and with this I had I had one of the Muppet Babies and Monsters moments with that because that's a song that's always been in my head. Mm-hmm. At least just that one just just that one little part right there, that powerhouse, you know what you can do. Like and I didn't know what it was where I seen it, but then I just got the uh when we were talking about doing this episode and I just kinda like took a look through uh some of the stuff that aired and I seen this thing called Powerhouse. I'm like, wait a minute, Powerhouse? Why does that sound familiar? I'm like, wait a minute, it's the same thing. And I went and looked it up, and uh, on YouTube, and it's that it's the intro, that little crudely animated that part right there where the where, where it does the cartwheel. And I remember that in my mind, like from a, like I was like I was man, I was tiny man. I remember that at the babysitters, like that show being on. I don't know what it was about, and I didn't bother to read up or what it was about because it's not important because I don't really remember the show that much but I remember that intro and that song 
and it's like a late 70s early 80s show and i'm looking at the <laughs> looks like it's like an old firehouse that they turned into their hangout which was common for like these shows back in the days like it'd be like an abandoned some type of a ab- abandoned service building that they claim is their own and start using it like that's what's going on here yeah, which you were going to do in New York. <laughs> <laughs> right? It seems like a lot of shows did that. Yeah, he gets stabbed by a vagrant with his broken old English bottle. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I don't, I don't... I'm watching it now, I don't remember. So. Yeah, I barely, like I said, I only remember the little intro. I just want to know if you knew about it just because, you know, you're a couple years older, so maybe you, maybe you caught it. And have a better recollection of it, but that's all I really know. And so, if I do, I don't remember. It. Yeah, and it's the '70s show, so it's kind of beyond our mandate. It just kind of blends yeah. like the early '80s. So I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna spend any time on it, but just it was there, and it drove me nuts for decades because no one. I say, do you remember a show called Powerhouse or something like that? And I was like, no, I never heard of that. What are you talking about? And it's just just to know they exist, I feel vindicated. So. Uh, Alright, well I guess that's it for the kids show So let's actually dip into um, The other shows on PBS Because we didn't just watch the kids shows on PBS Yeah, yeah, let's take a Let's take a quick break And then we'll come in and and hop into that How about that? Okay Alright Alright, be back Well, here's a lead on some really good books That are sure to bowl you over you don't have to take my word for it. Bright colors, beautiful pictures, and great rhymes are all in this book called The House That Jack Built. But that's not all. The House That Jack Built is a fun book to read out loud. It starts off with one sentence. This is the house that Jack built. The rhyme gets longer with each page. Listen. This is the rat that ate the malt that lay in the house that Jack built. The pictures are really neat. The colors look like they were put on with sponges. This is no ordinary book. I'm Catherine David, and I'm recommending this book to my friends. And my friends are going to recommend this book to their friends. And their friends will recommend this book to your friends. In other words, this is a great book. You know me, I've been cooking and eating real Cajun food longer than my belly stomach is wide, and that's a fact. So when I told you you're going to like Cajun spiced ruffled potato chips more better than them other Cajun potato chips, I'm not just whistling digs, you know. I'm singing you a Bayou Serenade. I guarantee. Mm-hmm. Only Cajun spice flavored Ruffles brand potato chips have those spicy Ruffles ridges, so the taste won't leave you flat. Oh, and the evening breeze whispers through the tree. All right. And we're yes, back. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get to it. Hour number... What time is it? Holy <laughs> shit. Hour four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck are we doing? Man. But let's... let's round this we probably could have right. mapped this out a little better, but you know what? We're already... We're already in so deep. I mean, might as well just power on through. Yeah, let's finish it. And this is going to be, if anyone finishes this episode in one sitting, bravo to you. Four <laughs> hours. Oh, my God. That's half your work day, folks. 
and we're taking it up for you. So, well, you know what? If you're listening to headphones at work, then how about that? We just got you through half of it. Yeah, yeah. You don't get you got lunchtime and then four more hours quitting time. <laughs> but let's uh get into it. Like I said, let's get into uh, the other shows because we didn't just watch. Um, we didn't just watch the kids shows, even though we were kids at the time. We watched. Uh, the, the quote unquote adult shows um, yeah whether you really wanted to or not it depends on what yeah, it was because it, it was the same thing that I mentioned before because after because between 9 o'clock and th- two, well, 2.30 3 o'clock on the weekdays they didn't show cartoons anymore so you were stuck with whatever else was on. So you may do with with the PBS shows and you either watch The Price is Right <laughs> The Price is Right or Jeopardy or or sometimes when I, I was staying at my uh, my aunt's house down the street I had to watch soap operas uh, oh, I man, watched, She loved her General Hospital Oh I watched so much General Hospital <laughs> But then, you know, sometimes you would keep it on PBS. And, uh, you know, it, there were a lot of shows that, whether I really thought I didn't like, you know, I I still remember them pretty fondly. I mean, first of all, it, every Saturday night, I remember, you know, I'd be watching TV I used to be watching Channel 11, you know, all all the shows that we talked about on, on our Saturday afternoon episode, you know, uh, oh, yeah. um, uh, Secret Identity and Small Wonder and all that stuff, but then 6 o'clock rolls around, here comes my dad, kicks me off the oh, TV. Oh, I know where you are, I know where you're going. We're, we're watching, it, it's time for This Old House, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you shut the fuck up and you you leave him alone. Oh, oh shit! Oh god, I watched so much, so much. This old house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know this old house. It's it's kind of like proto HGTV, really. Yeah, because you know I watch them shows now. Although, because it, it's all all the houses were in in the northeast. Because uh, Bob Vila was the host, and he'd go to some, you know, Nantucket old farmhouse, and he'd have the contractor Norm, and Norm had that thick sort of Boston accent. Yep. And then they 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 would fix up an old house, and and then I don't know they somewhere had, uh... along the line, Bob Vila either left got fired and they they introduced a new host who my dad didn't like he didn't like it as much as Bob Vila even though even though the new host and Bob Vila never actually did any work Norm was the guy that did all the fucking work on the show (laughs) really you know they didn't do anything but you know um then Bob Vila left and then he ended up getting another show later on called Home Again. Home Again, yeah. It came on in the mor- like Saturday early mornings right before um, between t- 
like right after T Rex, but right, but right before Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Yes. Why did you have that specific? <laughs> because because T Rex came on at five thirty in the morning, and then there'd be nothing because no no kid with a brain you know with half a brain, which I didn't, because I get up in the morning to watch T Rex, should be up that early, and so six o'clock there's still nothing on so either gonna watch the farm report or there's uh jack hannah jack hannah's animal adventures and then there's uh and there's bob veal's home again yeah and i mean it it really was just like hgtv you you'd watch them fix up a house an old house and you know they 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 redo the banisters and put in new stairs and all that kind of stuff (laughs) and there was another show too that came do, on. Do you right. remember, like in the late nineties? I want to say like ninety nine or two thousand, back when a uh, Foot Locker first started out with that House of Hoops uh, campaign, and they had Bob Vila up there <laughs> building like the basketball, uh, the basketball court into a house. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh shit! I can't yeah. believe I forgot that. Yeah, that was funny shit. <laughs> but they would, uh, there was another show. It had a husband and wife team. And they, they were building houses. But, like, they, they were actually, like, adding on additions to existing houses. Hmm. I don't, home Time, I think maybe it was called or something like that. I think, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I, uh, but it, th- this I was always the way. The, you know, six o'clock rolled around. I gave up the TV to my dad, and I either went in my room or I sat there and I watched it. And I watched it, and I waited till seven o'clock ticked around, and then I would just look at him, and I would see if he would get up and go to his room and then watch TV on because we we had two TV. We had the the small TV in his room which was like, like a 13 inch TV or we had the, the big TV in the living room which was uh, yeah, the one you played inches. the power glove on yeah yeah we had a bigger TV you know so he, he always wanted to watch uh, uh, this old house on the big TV so after it was over I would just sit and watch him and wait to see if he would get up to go to bed and then watch TV on the small TV or if I was just fucked for the rest of the night <laughs> cause you know cause it was Saturday so I'd want to watch what came on Saturdays um what the fuck came on Saturday it wasn't Amen that, I was on Sunday so I want uh, to say it, it was the NBC block of comedies but I don't think Amen came on Sunday I think it was actually wasn't it Amen in 227 no, because he he would sit down and watch that. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. It was something else that came him on at seven o'clock, and then oh, it was shit. was it eighteen maybe or Night Rider? I don't remember. It might have been. It might have been. There was, there was something been. on that I had to watch, and if if, if I didn't watch, then I, I was fucked on. On Monday when I went to school because everyone else watched it. And we're talking about it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
you know, and that that little story you just told, that must be why I always associate this old house with your place. Yeah. Cuz it it was must see TV at my house every <laughs> Sunday. Even, I I mean, we you would be over and we would be playing video games and he would make it shut it down. Yep. It's, it's six o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I remember we, we were outside and we were waiting for something to come on and like, we can't. Why? Cause dad's upstairs watching this old house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> That it's song is still, awfully soothing too. Yeah, it is. It, it, the PBS had a lot of soothing things. Yeah. Um, another one which. Oh. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I already know where you're going with this, and I, I've been using it because it's on Netflix. Yeah. The joy of fucking painting. Well, it's called the joy of painting, not the joy of fucking painting, but you know what I'm talking about. Is Bob fucking Ross? And that yeah, is another Bob, another famous is, Bob. The fourth and final head on the PBS Mount Rushmore. Let me tell you something. And as a kid, I hated that show because when that came on, that's when you knew all the stuff was off. Yeah, yeah. But always came on like at twelve or twelve thirty. Like twelve or twelve thirty, right? And so I didn't like it. And then when I got older, like they were showing, still showing reruns of it. You know, when I was like maybe. 11 or, or 12 maybe and I'm only looking I'm like this is awesome like how does he do this like I'm watching it, it just it like how he takes like these little streaks and 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 and, and just, just mixes the paint and then just like takes these little streaks and they just look like it looks like like a bunch of random stuff and then yeah he, he makes magic man and it's like all of a sudden and, and like the more you watch the better it the better it becomes like till you get to the end it's like he could play like 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 he'd be like halfway through the episode he can stop now this is done but no he keeps adding on then we get to the whole episode it's like wow yeah like I, you see him actually paint a, a happy little tree you know, uh, you see him paint, paint a like a, a pine tree it he w- makes when the best he trees. starts it looks just like like a bunch of arrows pointing up you know it's just what the hell is he doing and then we're gonna blend in a little green here and he takes yeah. his other little like knife, putty knife thing and kind of spread oh, the yeah, paint on oh yeah he has a knife yeah and then just okay and this tree now we're gonna do the next tree and, and I mean he did the, uh, uh, Joy of Painting was supposed to teach you to paint and it was supposed to be you know like an easy way to teach you to paint and really when you saw what he paint how he painted it's not really anything elaborate he's just making shapes and then he sort of blends the colors together and then it turns into like a mountain landscape and it's it's impressionism right or is that is that what he's doing i'm not i'm, I'm not art buff but i think yeah. that's i think that's what he, i think that's what it's what he is some form of some some offshoot of impressionism is what he's doing, and what I didn't know until until I started watching because again they're on Netflix, and um, what I didn't know is that the, it's it's a wet canvas that he starts with, and that's part of that that's part of the secret too, like how he does it, because he'll take an entire canvas and paint it over in like a liquid, just like a liquid white, 
And so then oh. when you take these colors, and that's how you make the sky. That's how it blends, like, from a blue into, like, you know, it blends into the horizon because it's mixing in with the white. And, you know. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, like, there's other there's other ones where he, because he starts it off. At, I don't know why I didn't notice this a long time ago, but he starts it off. So it's like, I've covered this canvas in liquid white. And the bottom, I've taken a liquid clear. And it's all gonna blend together. You're gonna make magic. We're gonna, you're, I wanna show you how we make some magic. We're gonna have a little fun. And I'm just like, holy shit. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I get it. And, I mean, it's just, it, it, you know, so he starts off every episode with his palette, tells you what colors you need, and they're usually the same. He uses pretty much the same ones. Mm-hmm. You know, your, your, your titanium black, your phthalo blue. <laughs> Fucking, he has like a, these, these ones he always go to. And then, he has a he has a fan brush. He has you know a, a couple of brushes and like he has a uh, you know the, the the knife. He's like you know he's like, okay, mix the colors right here. Then you're just gonna take your knife and just whoosh, just cut off a little roll of paint. And everything will to the canvas just like this. It won't come. Just watch. Just watch. Now we're gonna have a little fun. Now let's get crazy. We're gonna take a little bit of the midnight black. And we're gonna mix that with the thick little blue and get a nice color. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's, he's talking like so quiet and so and he's like making little jokes even like just just little stuff he says like all his little isms and you know where he goes to clean his brush and he dips in the paint thinner and he's like he's just gonna dip in there and then just <laughs> he just bashes it up against the side of the, <laughs> of the easel just beat the devil out of it yeah. <laughs> he said I just like to clean my brush I just like the excuse to clean my brush that's all <laughs> but I mean it's it's that's an awesome show and I'm telling you if you have trouble sleeping or you just want to wind down at the other night go on Netflix pull up Bob Ross just type in Bob Ross because I think it's it's not listed as Joy of Painting it's, but all the episodes are called that yeah they've changed the name of it yeah but all, but when you see the uh, intros they all say the Joy of Painting so you're watching and uh, I mean now I, I can't even make it through a whole episode most nights without already starting to doze off because it's that it's like a fucking it's like a lullaby yeah and it's perfect and you know why he talks like that no because he was in the military and and when he, he was in the military he said in, in an interview that that uh, when he was in the military he was he, he uh, often had to be the mean guy and, and to yell at people and tell people to clean the latrine, you know, be the oh, mean shit. guy. So then when he got out of the military and he started painting, he wanted to, he, you know, wanted to just sort of change his persona and not be so gruff. Oh, are you kidding me? Mm-mm. That's crazy. And you know what? I'll tell you another thing. Uh, he has an afro. Uh, and for those guys, everybody who watched the Boondocks, that episode when Riley, Riley started painting houses. You know, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what they were going for. That was, they, they were, uh, yeah. kind of satirizing. It was Bob Ross. Yeah, he, he was a master sergeant in, in huh. the Air Force. Wow, it's hard to even imagine. Yeah, but that's, uh, again, so I'm sorry to cut in, but yeah, in the uh, Boondocks episode, which is actually one of my favorite episodes. No, oh, yeah, great episode. Um, but that guy is a, supposed to be sort of a Bob Ross type, uh, voiced by Rob Paulson, mm-hmm. who is the voice of Raphael in the 80s Turtles, Donatello in the current Turtles. Um, but uh, also another but, little thing about Bob Ross, 
he he had that afro. He permed his hair on purpose. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, he, that's where I was getting at. He uh he, he wanted to save money on haircuts, but he hated getting the perms. <laughs> It, I just thought it, it was because he just never got out of the seventies. Huh? No, he hated it, but it it became like his uh, his thing, right? So he had to keep it. Uh, but it's awesome. And then uh, for those who get for those who listen to Keepers of the Funk, if you remember our uh, Sean Price tribute, then you'll also may recall the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And he did back in like I want to say it's 2012 or 2013 Where he uh, Put an afro wig on And he started painting He's called, He was Sean Ross And uh, he's using all the same little quips And everything like that You're going to take your brush and beat the devil out of it Beat, beat the shit out of this brush Just Beat that sucker Beat the devil out of it Get that paint out of it Slap it around Rub it, flip it, slap it around Give it a dollar. Go into the private room. Excellent. Show well. I'm using a special kind of black. It's called Where the Fuck You At Black. It's a specific black. It's almost the color they use to color Noob Cybot on Mortal Kombat. You know, <laughs> like he was, and so he was taught. So he's, he's taking little splashes of color, and it looks like he's just fucking around. I thought it was just, you know, just being stupid. But then as it went along, He's painting like he ended up painting like this little corner looking out the window out, out of a building in Brooklyn, like in the corner. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was perfect. Yeah. It was an impressionism type thing. It's like, perfect. like he's like, hey, you can see anything out of looking out of, out of project window, man. Bird shit, crackheads, heroin addicts, crackhead heroin addicts. You can <laughs> see this guy sitting up with the pole right here. That's my man Cinco. He's making a sale. Can you see the crack? It was amazing, and it was was a a fucking awesome, awesome uh, painting. And they put they had a contest on DuckDown.com where you could put your name in and uh, try to win the painting. And you damn right, I put my name in because if I had one, I would hang it. Oh God, yeah. I wonder if they they made prints after he passed. I was hoping, and they still have it. Ah. But yeah, I I just looked up um, on Netflix. It is titled "Beauty Is Everywhere." Beauty is everywhere. Okay, but when you start it up, it's all called "The Joy of Painting," and these episodes are from like the '80s and the early '90s. Yeah, yeah, and they apparently he has, and it it was featured in the Joy of Painting shows, and but I, I think those parts got cut out on the Beauty is Everywhere version. Mm. Apparently, he talks about quite a bit like a pet squirrel that he has in his pocket. Yeah, no, they show it. Yeah. They do? Yeah, pee- Peapod. Yeah, he has a pet squirrel that he keeps in his pocket. Yeah. And, and I, I think he... I think... Because uh, another podcast did an episode on it. Uh, it's that episode. Talked about the Bob Ross show and... And I, I think there was a part where they showed him at home and there were like several squirrels that he has at his home. <laughs> oh my god. That he just keeps. Yeah, I'm afraid of squirrels like that because they're strange animals. Um, but yeah, he had a couple of them. There's one. Yeah, his, name, his name was Peapod and he kept talking about. Like, they, like, he's like, I want to show you a little piece of video. This is my, my 
my pet pocket oh, pocket squirrel. His name is Peapot. He was talking about him and <laughs> feeding him. Or there's one where he had a baby deer. He's like all hugging up on the deer like it's a like it's a dog. And he's like, Yeah, I used to go I used to go deer hunting. And you know, it's uh, I used to rather enjoy hunting, but then, you know, the first time you hug one of these, all oh, your hunting days are over. So he doesn't say he doesn't hunt anymore because <laughs> because he had himself a pet deer. Yeah, and he became yeah. such a, a pop culture thing, you know, over the years. You oh know, yeah, you, you see it pop up on T-shirts and stuff, and then the duck down thing. But I mean, he's. He's like become part of the pop culture lexicon. Yeah, really? even to the point where um, time back into our MTV block. Do you remember the transitions with the MTV logos that they would do? And there's that one where you saw Bob Ross painting, and then oh yeah, it was really it was a forest, but then it was forest was inside of an MTV logo. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I wonder if that's on YouTube. Let me see. <laughs> but um. Yeah, you know, they had painting shows that we watched. Um, yeah, I love Bob Ross. But, yeah. um, there were cooking shows that came on. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, and again, those I didn't really like to watch those again because that's meant there's nothing else on TV. But every once in a while, you know, you're sitting there in the afternoon without shit to do and you just... Maybe you're half watching it because you're playing with toys or something. Or other times you're just, just kind of watch to see what they do. There's a few that I remember. There was that um, the fr- the frugal gourmet. Yeah, I never watched that one. Is I just remember his name was Jeff something. It was the guy, the bald guy with the uh, with the glasses, and the apron. Um, and it's exactly what it says. It's just you know making making gourmet type meals on the on the cheap, you know, with ingredients that aren't too expensive to buy, and then you know going from there. Um, this the Chinese one called Yan Ken Cook. Yeah, that and that yeah. guy. <laughs> when he used to make the noodle or make the dumplings, he used to beat the fuck out of that dough. <laughs> that was the best part when he was going to make a noodle dish or a dumpling. <laughs> and like, he's just like going to the zone, like he'd be talking and he's like, you know, just whatever he's, 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 he's cool. Then he goes to me and he beats the fuck out of <laughs> I used to tune in If I saw that I would tune in Just to see if he would do something And there would be some episodes Where he wouldn't I'd be disappointed Yeah Me too <laughs> Then um Oh man what was that, that, There was that uh, Cajun dude Louisiana uh, cooking outdoors Yeah With uh That was a week name? I don't remember That was like a weekend one though right Yeah That was or a weekend th- one The only reason you know, I remember it was just cut because of his catchphrase, I guarantee. I guarantee. Which yeah. also became su- such a sort of a pop culture lexicon thing that the 90s turtles, um, they made Leatherhead talk <laughs> like that. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was always throwing, I guarantee, you know. Sure the fuck did. I forgot about that. Another turtles uh, tie in there. Yeah, I can't find the guy's name. Uh, we'll find it somewhere. Justin sure. Wilson. Yes. Yeah, that's his name. That's him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's from, from Baton Rouge. Yeah. He, <laughs> and he just be like telling stories and shit. Well, I kind of like how Bob Ross does, you know, but with cooking and what. 
Was it grilling or like why was he always outdoors? Was there a reason for that? He had a. I don't know. The only thing I remember is he always was making like gumbo and jambalaya, and he had a big cast iron pot outside, <laughs> and he'd be stirring shit up in it and throwing shrimp and crawdads and the stuff. Yeah, the crawdad burl. Yeah, not boil. Burl. That's all I really remember. I just remember this one time he was like measuring on ingredients, like hey, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And he just dumped all the shit. <laughs> he, st- he stopped. He stopped using the cup and just dumped the whole shit in, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> oh man, it was that. Well, there's some more cooking shows on there, uh, but you know, whatever, man. There's I. Ah. And I guess this one wasn't really in that block, that that uh, that afternoon block, but it came on for some reason in the middle in the middle of uh, the kid shows. It was like a quick like ten minute shot called Star Hustler. Oh yeah, with Jack with Jack Horkheimer. Yeah, the, they are still on. Really? On on U- YouTube, he's still doing them. It's like the white Neil deGrasse Tyson or something. Not oh. as charismatic as Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> but he 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 uh, he'd come on and it'd be I forget I, I don't know what the name of the song is. It'd be like in like a whistly type of yeah, and and he'd come on this bad green screen walking on the rings of Saturn, and and the 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 um, the. Announcer guy would say, "Some people, <laughs> some people hustle boats. Some people hustle cars. Yeah, some people hustle pool." Some people hustle pool. Some people hustle cars. But have you ever heard about the man who hustles stars? Jack Horkheimer, star hustler, director of the Miami Space Transit Planetarium. Our episode for this week, Monday, September 23rd through Sunday, September 29th, is Brightest IFO of the Year and How to Find a Planet in the Daytime. And I remember, I think, when they first started showing those, or at least the first time we saw it, I think we just looked at each other when they we said that. It's like, have you heard about the man who hustles stars? And we're like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> the man looks like a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what he looks like. He, he, he looks like a broke ass Mr. Belvedere, honestly. Jack. <laughs> he's got this. He, he he's got Mr. Belvedere's sort of body type, but he's got this bowl haircut, oh. and this thin little mustache. I see this one where he's got like a button up shirt and a hoodie. <laughs> he got the, the uh, that, uh, SVU Kid Toucher brand uh, uh, right. jacket on. Now I got some video. <laughs> I got some, <laughs> I got some picture of him in a pink elephant uh, costume. Like, okay, yep. Oh. Check that box too. God. Yeah, this guy's weird. But yeah, and he you just give you know quick, quick uh like constellation facts. Now he's got like a little. I have the other one where he's got this tuxedo on and looks kind of like Mean Gene Okerlund. But, oh, oh dear! So I just threw oh, that out there because that wasn't really a show, but it was like a little quick interstitial, oh, five ten minutes. I'm so tired. Oh, 
Where are we? Oh, Star um, Hustler. Star Hustler. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let, let's move. That's <laughs> um, you know, another thing that PBS was known for, still is known for. Um, and sort of we we touched on it on episode seven, and um, it actually introduced me uh, and you too to uh, British comedy. Oh, uh, British episode six or episode six? I'm sorry, yeah, episode six. The British are coming. The British. The British are, are coming. And uh, you know, it it introduced us to you know Brit shows, the uh, Brit coms, um, some British. Well, we didn't really. I I didn't even watch the dramas like uh, Perot or whatever that guy's name is. And stuff. I watched more. Um. That was the first place that I ever saw Doctor Who. I was gonna, yeah. And we're not talking about the Doctor Who that's like embedded in pop culture now. We're talking about the old ass. Yeah, like, it was. Bad card, cardboard background, bad yeah. special effects Doctor Who from like, well, the 60s? The 60s all the way up to like the late 80s. Uh, I, I remember watching that. I guess the. The last Doctor before the reboot here and his resurgence, which I guess is Doctor number seven or eight. Okay. Uh, he always wore like a bowler hat and had an umbrella that had a question mark for a handle. Mm-hmm. That's that's the uh, one that I watched. And I didn't get into that. I I don't watch Doctor Who at all, theory, like not even the new ones. But um, I remember in '93. There was this uh there's this marathon they had of it. And I remember you were staying at our place for like maybe a week or however long and you know, whenever you were watching anything else or playing Sega or whatever, you would pop onto that and be watching the uh and that was the first time I ever heard of it. You know, you'd hop on that and start watching the Doctor Who. Um and I'm gonna ask you. So I'm gonna take you all, take you down this, because '93 was also that was also the summer uh, where <clears throat> the big uh, the big flood, the flood of '93 happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, out in the you know, uh, you know, out of here in St. Louis and um, parts of southern Illinois, you know, it got flooded in by the Mississippi and the River to Pair and everything. Didn't affect us because we don't live out there on the floodplain, but you know what I'm saying. Um, but there was a lot of flood coverage and stuff on there. So I remember one night, I mean, you and I were up later than we should have been. We were supposed to have already been asleep, but we were still like, we were like playing a video game or something. And then we stopped and then just started kind of like flipping channels. And the Doctor Who was on. And then that went off. It was, it was part of that marathon, I guess. And they, they ended for the night. And then we flipped in like to like, uh, NBC, we knew it was showing like the nightly news. They were showing like flood coverage and everything. And we're like, okay, enough of this. We flipped back and we ended up going past, uh, PBS again and with some, some little made for TV like movie on there. Like some kid, do you remember this kid? Like him and his friend were playing in the park and the dude went to go use the bathroom and some guy who was selling ice cream went in behind him and tried to <laughs> and try to do things. And he comes busting out there. He's trying to grab a thing. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And so we kept watching 
And at the end, he ends up stabbing the guy with a kitchen knife? No. I'm sitting here with my mouth open like, what the fuck? <laughs> I swear I'm not making this up. Because we flip past it. We're like, what the hell is this? And we're just kind of watching. And then it got to that part. And we're like, we're laughing at that. Like, what the hell? Are we so we kept watching to see what happened. Like, you know, like he goes to school and everything like that. Like, I don't remember like the whole rest of the show. But like, he got going to the park and that guy with the ice cream little thing, he kept like walking around. Like kind of stalking the area, and so the kid like actually walked to uh, he took a like packed a kitchen knife with, with some foil in his backpack, and then like deliberately went into the bathroom. So the guy came in, and they stabbed him like right through the chest with the with the knife and walked away. We're like, was this this on PBS? I don't fucking remember that at all. <laughs> I wish I knew what it was. I put it out there just in case anybody listening happened to have seen it too. Yeah, if you know what the fuck that is, let us know. Yeah, let us know, because it totally happened. Yeah, but I mean, late night PBS would show those Britcoms, like, um, Are You Being Served with uh, John Cleese. My dad is such a huge fan. Yeah, he works in a department store. Mm -hmm. Um, Then there was Blackadder with uh, Mr. Bean. Yeah. Rowan Atkins. Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, Blackadder is, he, he's this sort of despicable kind of guy, but the show, I think every every series is a different version of Blackadder. Like, I, I think the very first one is in Medieval Times, and then the next series, it's like that, that ancestor of the guy from the Med- Medieval series, and he's like in World War Two or World War One now. And you know it's all the same characters. It is the guy still has the last name Blackadder, but you know it's a different situation and stuff. Um, that one I watched. The one I watched the fuck out of and still watch is uh, Red Dwarf, which is the the, the sci-fi comedy that uh, is actually I think they're about to start showing another season, another series of it. Or they already started in Britain. I don't remember. But uh, that show was great. God, I want to say they show Benny Hill, but I don't know if they were showing it on PBS or if they were showing it on Channel Eleven, because those channels are right next to each other. Uh that's a good question. I know they they might have showed Benny Hill. I'm not one hundred percent sure. But I know they also showed uh, they showed Monty Python. Yeah, they showed Monty Python, and that's what ended up getting me into that. Yeah, yeah, because they show reruns of like Flying Circus and all that. Yeah, they showed that, and that would, of course, lead into um, after they stopped showing Monty Python, they showed all those John Cleese comments. Are you being served? I think he had another show too, and then. Um, one of the other Python guys had another show. Which I want to say was like a travel show, maybe? Hmm. Like a mockumentary kind of travel show. But that, you know, you know, those, watching those shows in those early years for me is what got me sort of hooked on Britcoms in the first place. Oh, is that right? You know, yeah. And, you know, now I, I watch a lot of. Well, actually, well, that's a topic for 
many, many fools with my TV watching all over the place. But yeah, I uh, And see, I mean, I remember the stuff being there, but see, I didn't really start to appreciate BritComps until I got older. So, um, but at that, at that time, you know, I, I might have caught some of that shit. Like I said, it was, you know, with the exception of Monty Python, but, um, other than that, I just, I, I don't think I watched too much stuff, like, as far as, like, late, late night, uh, PBS. Well, there wasn't really anything, like, late night PBS on. The one thing that I would always watch, cause I would, I thought it was a cartoon, was, was it Mystery? Or something like that. What was it? Was mystery with an exclamation point at the end? What was that? It it was like an anthology show. Because I remember if if they they would they would either show like a made for TV movie or it'd be some British like one off special. But it would be it, it it was just a you know like a murder mystery movie. But the opening for the show was a cartoon, and so I when when they first started showing it, I thought, oh, okay, here's a weird cartoon, a weird Beetlejuice-esque cartoon, because it would show, like, it would show, it, like I said, it was very Beetlejuice-esque, and, you know, it was dark, and it had storm clouds, people at a funeral, and then it was at the cemetery, and you'd see, like, a gun go off, and a lady would fall down dead, and a bat would fly by, and then, um, oh, okay. Well, this is you know some sort of weird cartoon. I'll check it out. And then after after that cartoon go off, then the actual name of whatever the mystery for that that week was would go on, and then be a live action thing. Ah, uh, gotcha. And then I would turn it off. <laughs> in disappointment will tell and frustration. You, <laughs> I will tell you one thing. Uh, Speaking of a disappointment and frustration, another one of those shows that signaled that the that the uh, you know the programming for you was over. Um, okay, because on weeknights they would you know they show Reading Rainbow again, they show Three Two One Contact again, and then they show um, one more one more hit of Sesame Street, and then when that would go off at like what six six p.m. or whatever it was, then. <clears throat> It was the fucking the McNeil Lehrer News Hour, and <laughs> and that theme song like dun 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 dun. When that came on, it's like ah, oh. time to turn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, didn't the guy just die? I think One so. Yeah, I think so. But it was like a double hit because like, okay, like it like four thirty. I mean, like four o'clock, four thirty. Uh, he Man, Shira, or maybe you know, and then right after that, it'd be fucking Fame. And my mom will love Fame, you know what I'm saying? But it was like, oh fuck. So my cartoons are off. So then you go over to you, you click over to uh, Channel Nine, and you, you you know you watch whatever's left on PBS. It's probably like the last Sesame Street. And then when that goes off, you know they start playing the little uh, you know theme music, and you're just hoping just for a little bit longer they might show a little bit of something new. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. Like fuck. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, yeah. As we're talking about winding down the uh, the day, I think we're winding down. Yeah, so, I think we are too. Man. I, um, uh, let's sort of close it out by just touching on one thing that was the bane of all 
viewers of of a uh, of PBS, and that was the was it quarterly or bi yearly? Oh no, donation drive. No, the 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 that was called the Channel Nine auction. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm sure it was different in every city, but, but right, you know, ev- everywhere they would have the fucking donation drive, and it would be. It would be fucking. They would show your show or a show, and then it would instead of going because PBS doesn't have commercials. You might see, you know, it would show one show and then maybe have like a commercial esque sort of thing talking about one of the sponsors, like Monsanto, which a uh, horrible company. But you know, back in, in, in the eighties and nineties, they were huge PBS sponsors, and so you'd always see that Monsanto commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, and then and, you see like maybe a little a little commercial for you know a show that's on. Yeah. You know, that's why I would always see mystery. That's why I knew how mystery was spelled with the exclamation point. Yeah, coming up, you know, tomorrow night on Nova. You know, Nova. Oh, we didn't mention Nova. That was. Oh yeah. Uh, and you know, as a kid, I didn't really appreciate that. As I got older, good stuff up there. Yeah, yeah. Nova's good. Nova, you you would end up sometimes watching in like high school science class. Because yeah. I have a, a topic that you were covering, mm-hmm. but the fucked up thing, especially it was especially fucked up if you were trying to record something like I was, because Red Dwarf they they always put on at uh, like ten o'clock on a Sunday or eleven o'clock on, on a Sunday, so I would set the VCR timer back in the day, have my tape ready. You know, oh, yeah. for you know, I'd have it set for a half an hour. Start at eleven o'clock, and record for half an hour. Get my fucking you know Red Dwarf and watch it after school. I'd forget, or I wouldn't know that the fucking uh, donation drive was going. <laughs> and instead of you know five minutes of quote unquote commercials, it would be a good fifteen twenty minutes of them talking about you know hitting the, their goals and if you call in right now you can get the 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 KETC tote bag and tote bag I knew you were going to say that the <laughs> fucking tote bag the fucking tote bag and coffee mug and uh your membership uh we thank you very much and blah 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 and blah 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 it would be 20 minutes of that and then and then the show would come on but if you got your fucking VCR set, you turn it on. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're you're fast forwarding through you know twenty minutes of uh, fucking auction, and then five minutes of show, and then it cuts off. Uh, oh god, I hated I hated the the membership drive. Yeah. It was horrible, but I, I mean, it was one of the things that PBS had to do because, like we've said all through this show, it is public broadcasting, me- meaning they get most of their money from donations from the public. Um, they they don't really get. Well, I, I think back then they did get some money from the government as as part of a public works or something. I don't know. I, I know they got some government grants. Uh, they got donations from major corporations like Monsanto and GE. GE was a big one too. GE was especially a big one. for the like, uh, like uh, uh, home shows. And uh, you know, 
then the rest was from viewers like you. <laughs> so, so they, they would have to have these drives like twice a year in order to, to, uh, generate more income. Yeah, and it always took a week or however long, like a week or two weeks or however long they were gonna show that. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it would cut into your shows. Um, you know, it would, and it sometimes would, it would just cut shows out completely because they would go too long. Yeah, and so they they would have to go to the next show. Yeah, and so they have the show like. So, do you remember? Or am, I, am I imagining this? Was there a time when they had like picture in picture, where like the show was down there in the corner, but then they had the uh, the the telethon still, or you know, the donation drive still going? Flip it. They, they would have the. The show uh, in the big screen, and then they would have like the telethon numbers going in the corner. That's uh, what it was. Picture. Okay, yeah. And, and then, okay. but they, they they would cut audio out from time to time just to say where their numbers were. Uh, like, we, we need so we much. need five more five more people calling. We we need you know two hundred more dollars to make our goal this hour. Yeah, because they, they it would pop in like every every hour. They, they would pop in and talk for like 20 minutes and then either oh, either show the sh- the show that was supposed to be on late or they would just skip the show completely it was terrible and it's not like see people this is what we had to go through there was no like you know how uh, you know a, a couple times a year when uh, Wikipedia will start uh, asking you for for donations and it just has the, the, the founder's sad face up there mm-hmm. and the button you can click See, and you can just scroll past that. Yeah, you couldn't scroll past this situation drive. It's cutting into the show you're trying to watch. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, is rare because you're not, you know, you don't really watch a lot of stuff on PB. Well, I guess we just talked for four hours. That stuff we could watch. But, you know, PBS was, you know, wasn't as, as important of TV as, say, the other big three networks. But for those few shows that you had to watch, that you wanted to watch, man, you you be ass out because of the fucking membership drive. Uh, well, I'll tell you. And I'm sure they still do it now. I don't know. I don't watch the PBS station here in Columbia. Yeah, I haven't watched PBS like itself in a long time. Like. Some of the programming I was up there like uh oh I we didn't talk about like some of the like some of the Ken Burns specials, that stuff was be up there. Um But uh you know a lot of stuff would be on Netflix and things like that, so that's really kind of the only that's the extent of my PBS watching. I haven't tuned into like live PBS in a long time. Yeah. Oh Ken Burns. Documentaries when you feel the whole Oh, are you kidding me? Oh man, baseball and jazz. Oh, jazz. Jazz was a great one. I, maybe it's just because I had to watch the Revolutionary and the Civil War one in high school. Now that one I haven't seen, but check out jazz. Check out the history of uh, on baseball. Um, there's another one I'm trying to think of. I can't remember, but oh, jazz. Oh, Prohibition. Prohibition was a good one. But uh, yeah, my favorite one was that jazz one. I love the parodies that people do of Ken Burns stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
Although the one thing I do hate is that he never, well, I guess he does have footage at, at times, but it's rarely ever footage, it's just like pictures that he zooms in and while he's talking and to scroll slow scrolls across. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, anyway, folks, let's get the, please, can we go? Yeah, I it's, think It's like three in the morning. <laughs> Full disclosure, folks, we've been recording for, well, we've been doing this for more than four hours, but we'll see what happens when I start editing this thing. <laughs> yeah. Goes. Hey, man, we had a lot to cover, though, man. Oh, man, I can't believe we did it this long. We had to cover a lot, though. We had to cover a lot, though. It's not the same as, well, I mean, you know, we talk about um, Fox. And really, it was kind of like one kind of section, one, one, one kind of era of Fox. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It only went for so long before it kind of went into a decline. PBS has a long rap sheet. So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, you know, I guess we can, since we're not really watching it now, there's nothing really we can comment on now. I mean, most of their stuff is online now I mean you know it's on Hulu you can check out stuff um, yeah they've got their own P- PBS app if you use one of the streaming devices like Roku or Chromecast you can get that you know mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's PBS folks alright well we did it oh, so uh, that's been a long episode in the making you know, a long time coming and well you know you got it. You just saw what happened there. And long time in execution. <laughs> That's true, but hey, yeah, we got through it. So, uh, unless you got anything else to add, no. you go ahead and uh, wrap this one up. Um, so you can find us at uh, facebook.com slash nojibajabafm. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Ilroxki. You're at jru78 and uh, of course we're at death kings pod collectively up there um god uh, well i'm sure i'm leaving something out but it's 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 we would be going for four hours in my a couple glasses of liquid refreshment i'm kind of shot right now yeah Yeah, but just, yeah, go to, you know, subscribe on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Check out some of our great content, but you don't have to take my word for it. Oh, you mother- Damn it! <laughs> See ya! <laughs> See ya!
Intense. Yeah. Sometimes he's an interesting guy. Is crabs more embarrassing than AIDS? Oh. For the moment, probably. Yeah. I wish I would have a button. I wish I would have a button. Where's my iconic slave roll? Hey, motherfucker. I wish I would have a button. F*** all y'all. F*** all y'all. Wolf speed, don't rainbow read me, nigga. Ah! 